Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Milmine and this is episode 56, Boardwalk, an interview with Linda Lenovich of Kettle Yarn Company. Yarn in the City creates experiential, yarn-centric events for knitters and makers designed to bring people together through a shared love of craft. Yarn in the City organises the Great London Yarn Crawl, taking place on Saturday the 5th of September 2015. For more information and to book your tickets, go to www.yarninthecity.com today. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. A warm welcome to all of those of you that are returning to the show today. Lovely to have you back with me and for anyone who is new and coming over today, a warm welcome. Thank you for uh, joining me and Linda of Kettle Yarn as we're going to be chatting about all things yarny business and new knitwear collection with her which is very exciting. I hope you've all had a good week since last time I spoke to you. It's been kind of busy, exciting over here at Shiny Heights and um, not a lot of knitting done but there's been quite a bit of stash diving going on on Periscope. So if you don't follow me on Periscope already, get on there. I'm at Shiny Bees, Sims on Twitter and I'll be entertaining you via the medium of live video streaming um, for the foreseeable, I think. I quite enjoy it. I enjoy the interaction and being able to talk to people in real time and show people around shiny heights really and talk about all sorts of stuff so i am on there and you can find me kicking around most days so uh, get yourselves onto periscope and uh, have a good little uh, watch around in news for you before we crack into the episode proper with the interview um, thank you for everyone who has sent me messages and replied to the thread on Ravelry and tweeted about uh, last week's interview with Susan Crawford. If you haven't heard it yet and you're joining me for the first time, skip yourself back there and make sure you have a listen. She is a very, very lovely, inspirational lady. She's dropped some real sort of um, bombs, I guess, in terms of She's very down to earth, but she's very encouraging and, um, you know, she's a big proponent of do your own thing, be yourself, have a crack at it, you know, um, and she's just, the amount of feedback I've had from it has been, uh, it's been really overwhelming. So thank you for everyone who's been in touch and give her a little tweet. She's absolutely lovely. If you enjoy the episode, tweet her and tell her. She'll definitely reply. She's a very, very uh, warm and friendly lady. Uh, I think it's always good when people in that kind of position that, you know, a lot of people will look at who are maybe starting out in designing and go, oh, wow, that's like Susan Crawford. She's up there with, with Kate Davies and, you know, in the kind of indie knitting royalty, if you will. And when they're just lovely people who are very encouraging and say, you know, get yourself out there and, and do what you want to do, I think it's a really positive thing. And the things she was saying you can take into real life as well it's not just about business the she had advice for that you could just employ in your everyday life I thought I really liked it I thought she was great fun definitely gonna go on the lash with her 
but her vintage Shetland project um, is still ongoing so there's plenty of time if you want to get involved um, to he- head on over there to Pub Slush and support it. I'll put a link again in the show notes for you. There's 18 days left and um, she's got loads of great ideas for how she can improve the book and improve the experience for for knitters um, with more funding um, available. Writing a book and producing a book is very expensive business and you know to, to make it the way she wants it and she does very very high quality books um, it's a, it's a big initial outlay, so everything will help go towards that um, and improving the experience for you guys that support the, the project. So I've supported it, so I can put my money on the table and say I, I've got behind it. I've ordered my book. I've asked for some love hearts. When she signs it for me, I'm sure she'll oblige. And, um, and you can too. There's um, all sorts of rewards from sort of, you know, the low end... Um, if you just want to give her a, a little boost but you don't necessarily want the book, you can get in a, a, a £5 um, entry point and get a couple of patterns or you can go all the way up to having tea with her at Shetland Wool Week and going to the farm and all sorts of exciting stuff. So head on over there to check it out and if it's not for you, that's absolutely fine but please consider sending it on to anyone that you know that may be interested because this is the only way you're going to get that book before Christmas because she had such a response to a wonderful response to the campaign Um, to make sure everyone is actually supported the campaign she's had to say look you'll get your books before Christmas um, but and there won't be any pre-orders to receive books before Christmas outside the pub slush campaign because it's very important to her that everyone that's supported her gets their books and can start enjoying it in time for Christmas so as I said, it's over on Pubslush, pubslush.com. It's a vintage Shetland project, and I will put a link in the show notes so you can head straight on over there. It's still favour time for me as well. Um, as I mentioned last week, um, I've been nominated for the UK Podcasters Award, and I'm really keen to get a niche knitting podcast an award. I think knitting is too much of a joke to people. There are plenty of us out there doing our thing, creating beautiful projects. There's plenty of brilliant women producing awesome podcasts and I don't want that to be overshadowed by business podcasts because there's loads of those. They get brilliant, you know, massive audiences. Um, or Nintendo podcast, nothing against the geeks. I'd probably listen to a Nintendo podcast myself, but you know, we're knitters. We might be knitters who game, but we're also knitters, and I would love to put knitting as a hobby that's not for nanas. It's for young people, it's for old people, it's for kiddies, it's for men, it's for whoever wants to get involved. I really want to put it up there on the stage and say this is a cool thing, and there's nothing wrong with starting a niche podcast and having fun with your community, encouraging each other, enabling each other, laughing with each other, crying with each other running around at Edinburgh Yarn Festival with each other, I think it's a brilliant thing and I'm so grateful to you guys for being a part of, of this community and all, you know, the messages and the interaction I have with you. I'm so grateful and so privileged to be in this position where people listen to me every week um, and I put this show out because I want to entertain you. I want you to have a little bit of fun, a bit of light relief in your week, meet some of the people that you really look up to in the, you know, and admire in the knitting industry I want to bring all of that uh, to you and try and enrich the community. So if you have time and you could vote for me, if you go to www.shinybees.com forward slash UK hyphen podcasters hyphen awards, 
That's on my website and on that there's a clickable link and it'll take you straight to the place where you need to vote. Share it with your friends, get your dog to vote, get anyone you know to vote and um, I would really, really appreciate it. And thank you to all of those of you who've left me lovely reviews on there. I wasn't expecting that at all and I'm really, really grateful because I know you're all busy and I know you've, you've taken time out of your days just to, to leave a quick review for me and I really appreciate that. So thank you. This episode is sponsored by Yarn in the City. Yarn in the City organises the annual Great London Yarn Crawl, which is taking place this year on Saturday the 5th of September. This year's Yarn Crawl will also feature the addition of a one-day pop-up marketplace, taking place at Chelsea Old Town Hall and featuring over 30 vendors from London and around the UK. To top off the weekend, on Sunday the 6th of September 2015, Yarn in the City will be hosting author, pattern designer and technical editor Kate Atherley for two workshops in central London. Introduction to knitwear design and pattern writing skills. For more information and to book your tickets to these events, head over to www.yarninthecity.com. If you are going to be heading to the Great London Yarn Crawl, I'm going to be there. So send me a message and let me know. So time for the interview. And I am thrilled to welcome Linda Lenovich onto the show today of Kettle Yarn Company. Linda is originally from Vancouver in Canada and she moved over to London to study fine art. Linda opened Kettle Yarn Company in 2013. Originally, this was London-based and she recently moved to the seaside on the south coast of England. She's a designer and a dyer whose work has been featured in Pom Pom magazine as well as in a new collection that's just launched, the Boardwalk Collection, released this um, past week and it is a capsule collection of six wearable pieces designed by some of the hottest indie designers on Ravelry right now. And it's all knitted in her Islington DK base, which is a sumptuous blend of 55% superwash blue face Leicester and 45% silk. That is lustrous and shiny stuff. Kettle Yarn Company is also famous for its wear chart. And Linda personally tests all of her blends for softness, pilling and durability. I was delighted when Linda agreed to come on the show to have a chat to us. She's a very fun, very lively lady. Uh, she's very petite as well. She's very small, even smaller than me. And uh, she's absolutely lovely. If you've met her at shows or anything, she's a very vivacious character and she has a great laugh. So I knew that she would give us a really good interview today. So grab yourself a brew and a biscuit because it's, uh, it's always time for a biscuit. And we'll welcome Linda to the show. Okay, so I am delighted to welcome Linda Lenovich to the show, who is the dyer behind Kettle Yarn Company. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you very much, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we finally managed to catch up after yes. trying, trying to catch you at Unwind last year and it all just been so crazy. <laughs> it has, it has. It's been a, a bit of a while since we uh, since we first spoke about uh, about doing this, but I'm glad we've managed to sort it out. Yeah, super. So... Um, people in the UK in particular, and um, especially those in the South, will be aware of you and Kettle Yarn Company. 
as will all of our TGS fans who've had some of your yarn already. But for those that don't know you as well, can you tell us a little bit about you as a person and about how you came to be interested in Yarny Pursuits? Yes, well, um, I came to Yarny Pursuits in a bit of a roundabout way. I did actually start knitting when I was nine years old and um, it didn't last very long. I made one scarf. <laughs> And then decided it wasn't for me because I didn't have enough patience. So I put it aside for a good uh, oof, 30 some odd years. Um, and I ended up doing a master's in fine art, which is why I moved to the UK. And um, after my master's, I spent a lot of time um, showing at galleries and, and sort of doing the art thing. And I always sort of ended up feeling that there was something missing. And somehow or another, I think it was because one of my friends started knitting, um, I decided I would try knitting again. I told myself I would I would knit myself a hat. This is how it came about. And um, so when I picked up the needles, I just, I couldn't stop. I, I knit the hat, then I knit a snood, I think, and then I knit some gloves. I mean, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. So that is pretty well how I came to the yarny side of things. And of course, having had the painting background, I decided that I would start dyeing yarn and see how that goes. And, um, and it just sort of grew from there. Super. Where are you from originally? Canada. I moved here from Vancouver in 2006. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So was, what was the tipping point that turned you dyeing yarn and your kind of fledgling knitting interest into a full-time business? Well, actually, I'd been having a lot of health issues, and um, I was working for a university where I was working in an open plan office, and um, the university was a, um, well, the, the area in the university that I worked was the fashion area, so there were a lot of people wearing a lot of perfumes and the rest of it, and it turned out that I had a fragrance allergy, which was making me really, really ill, um, to the point where I could barely get up a flight of stairs, essentially. It really affected my lungs. And... Um, so having started dyeing yarn and opened up the Etsy shop, I thought that maybe I could grow it to the point that I could quit the university and, and do that instead so that I could control the environment that I was in essentially and, um, and sort of get my health back on track. So that's the, the main reason behind doing it was to try and, and have some control over my own health and my own, my own daily life essentially was the biggest point of it. Yeah, I can understand why... Um why you would want to kind of move out of that environment if um, it's not the kind of place you could go guys can, can you not wear any perfume well you see I tried that for years I tried for a good two years and um first I got treated like a skyver then I got bullied um I mean it was horrible they were just absolutely horrible about it and even trying to get the health and safety people involved they were horrible about it they treated me like it wasn't a real thing and I had doctor's letters and I'd gone to see even the university doctors I mean it was just this whole kerfuffle it was just so negative and so dispiriting that I was I was just so down that I knew I couldn't stay there anymore I just it was just horrible so bit, a bit of a negative there but um you know that's it led to a really big positive so I mean I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken the plunge without without having gotten to that point I don't think yeah exactly and, and listen to a lot of stories from people that have, have moved into it it's not always 
this kind of amazing you wake up one day and start dying down and it's all beautiful very rarely <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know is that the case and yeah it's I think people like that people enjoy hearing the story I certainly yeah. do anyway okay different. I'm always a little bit hesitant to bring it up because it makes me sound like a bit of a whinger so I always sort of think well should I really tell people the full reason behind this or you know it's um it's it's a chance thing you know I mean I started the the reason that I had the impetus to start knitting again and and pick up the needles was because I was spending a lot of time in doctor's offices and I needed something to keep my hands occupied and my mind occupied, you know? So I, I know it's a fairly common story in, in what we do, but um, but there it is, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so obviously you moved from the university and you dye um, your yarn at home now. I do. And you've just moved, you moved from London out to the countryside. <laughs> it's still a town. It's not the countryside. <laughs> I keep saying that to my partner. He's like, we live in the country. And it's, well, we're, we're in the town centre. So although we do have a neighbour with chickens, so it's, it's you know, <laughs> borderline. But uh, it's lovely. It's really lovely being back by the sea. Yeah, you put a lot of lovely um, seaside pictures on your Instagram as well for anyone yeah. who's, uh, who's into that. So I do, yeah. No, I absolutely love it. So I'm constantly taking photographs and um, and just enjoying being being back in the seaside air. I can imagine. Um, I'm a bit frightened of London, so... <laughs> being <laughs> yes. in I've always said it's it's a nice place to visit, but it's really nice being able to leave as well, you know? So, so what does a typical day look like for you? Generally, I get up fairly early and um, I, I get stuck into the Instagram and uh, Twitter vortex. I always sort of check the, the boards and, and do a few tweets and, uh, you know, check in with the people out there. Um, and then I generally, if it's not a dying day, I do web sort of marketing and blog and graphics sort of stuff online. And if it's a dying day, I just basically head straight downstairs and get to the pots. Yeah, so it's it's good that it's varied and I don't have to spend all my time on the computer and um, sort of realized this this last week working working on the Boardwalk collection, which is a new collection that I've just um, just released this week. Um, I was doing a lot of graphic design and I just it struck me how hard it is to do that day in and day out again. I, it was just so odd for me to be back on the computer every single day. It's, it's quite draining. So kudos to all the people out there that do it all the time because it's uh, it's. It's it's harder than I remembered it being, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I've been killing it for the last few days, and, and my yeah. eyes are a little bit sore from the. Oh, I'll bet. I find my shoulders get really tight as well. I tend to scrunch up my shoulders when I'm working on the computer for some reason. Yeah, this is like cause you want to get close to the screen because you do you're working hard and you kind of get sucked into the screen. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're concentrating so hard that you're sort of perched forwards. I don't know. It's just not very ergonomically good, is it? <laughs> no, no, I used to have a job where I had three computer screens. I was a, con a fighter control and air battle manager, and we had three screens. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and everyone would sit on the edge of their seat, on the very expensive seat that's fully adjustable. Everyone would sit <laughs> right on the edge and then lean forward. And then instead of like pressing plus and minus to take you further into the, the picture so you can see the radar picture better, you'd yeah. just kind of lean into lean the forward. screen. <laughs> and, and, and rock and move a lot and yeah it's crazy oh no isn't that funny how do you just but then doing what you do I would assume it's you know you're concentrating and trying to be really alert and it's just the posture isn't it 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's part of it because it's very high tempo work. So yeah. you're, you're constantly thinking and going through your routine over in your head and forward planning everything. And mm-hmm. I think you naturally, you can't just sit there with your feet up. No, no, and you shouldn't. I mean, obviously you shouldn't if, if that's what you're doing, you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's it, that was always a joke because you can tell when someone's working hard because they get closer to the screen the harder <laughs> they work. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so taking it from controlling fast jets back to the creative process <laughs> yes. of developing yarns. <laughs> um, can you talk us a bit about your creative um, process when you develop a new colourway? A new colourway? Um, that's a, a little bit of a tough one. I have been trying to develop um, groups of colours that work together the last little while. Um, so I do try, and funnily enough, it's on the computer that I do this, so I spend a lot of time in Photoshop, um, just sort of picking which colors go together and trying to get the exact shades that I want. So I I spend a lot of time like just sort of nitpicking at exactly the right color. Um, And then, of course, getting down to the yarns and actually dyeing up the colors, things change again because you obviously can't get the exact color that you saw on a screen. And... um, I do, I mean, there's always happy accidents. You know, you you start off for one color and you end up with another color and it's just something you can't let go of and you have to keep. So a lot of that does happen as well. So I try not to be too stringent about what it is I'm going for and to let the journey sort of take me along as well and to accept what comes out. Um, and then there's, there's days where I just play. There's um, the Westminster line, which is um, the camel silk line, is where I actually paint the yarns. And um, so that's more of a hand-painted process, and, and that's one where I tend to like to play with it a bit more. It's a bit more painterly than than dipping and, and boiling. <laughs> Do you think your process, the way you start your process is kind of guided as a result of your fine art training, or is it more Absolutely. of a kind of personality thing? Uh, both. I mean, my, my fine art training um, never really changed my own personality, which is always to sort of jump in with both feet and and um, problem solve as I go along. I mean, that's always that's just always been me. So that never changed with the art training. But I think the thing about the art training that has helped refine things is that I know that I need to have a guideline to start out with. And I need to know where I'm trying to head in order to get to a result I'll be happy with as opposed to just sort of going in blind because then I'll just play forever and I'll never actually get anything done so it's important for me to actually have a goal to work towards um so that I've got an end point to that exploration I think cool how did you find um putting a collection together then this the boardwalk collection it was amazing um I've for those of you who don't know, I've just recently um, done a collection of six patterns in my new weight of Islington, which is the BFL silk that I've had in the fingering for quite some time. So it's the DK weight and it's a bit heavier. So I decided the best way to showcase it would be to have a collection of patterns out. And I contacted some people and they agreed to design for me, which was amazing. And um, it's it's been fantastic. I mean, the collaboration between the designers and their ideas and my ideas, it was just so amazing to see it come to life and create these these beautiful garments and accessories and it, it was just really, really fun. So taking it from all the design and creative process mm. back to the more businessy aspects of things. Um no journey's ever smooth and running a business. <laughs> 
Definitely has its ups and downs. It's more like a big dipper at times, I think. Yeah, it can. <laughs> <laughs> can you think of it a time when maybe things didn't quite go to plan? What happened and what did you learn as a result of it? Um, well, probably most recently, I would say, um, I've learned to be a lot more careful about which shows I do. I've been sort of testing out um, shows in the UK, the sort of large yarn festivals, and sort of seeing where my market is and trying to figure out where where to show, essentially, because um, obviously it takes a lot of time and money to do these shows and rent the vehicles and the rest of it. And um, I think I, I realized some things at a recent show that um, that I hadn't realized about the UK, and that is that the, the um, how to say this, internet providers aren't the same everywhere. <laughs> I was recently at a show up north, and I was shocked to realize that a lot of people didn't even have the internet, and they had never heard of Kettle Yarn Co., and, um, and it was just a completely different market. I mean, a lot of them didn't didn't feel comfortable downloading patterns on Ravelry. A lot of them weren't even on Ravelry yet. So it was this completely different market, which I hadn't even realized could be out there in today's day and age in a way, which seems really naive, but also really good to realize as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's that's a really good kind of point to bring out is that you can you can have ideas about things until but until you go and try them and get out there and find out exactly what's going on yeah you don't you're not going to know and you're not going to know what like, whether your market is there or not i guess and i think i mean i think coming from north america i make a lot of assumptions about the uk that that aren't necessarily true i mean like the idea that everybody would have the internet you know because you know we're we're a wealthy country and um it just, it's just an assumption that, that I sort of brought with me and it's not a true assumption and that is a bit of a shock to me in a way that, that certain places would have to have satellite to, to get an internet connection to begin with and, and some people wouldn't even bother because what's the point if the, if the service is so slow, you know? Yeah, and expensive. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's just it's such a crazy realisation for me in a way. Yeah. So it was a real eye-opener for sure. Oh, so taking it from a learning experience mm. to a celebratory experience, what's <laughs> been the high point of your journey? The high so point? Well, I would have to say this this week has been a pretty darn good one. The um, the release of the collection, having it all come together, working with the amazing, amazing designers that I worked with on this um, on this project. Uh, the photographer, Juju Vale, that helped out, um, the marketing person that I worked with, Alison Thistlewood, they've all, I mean, it was just such an amazing group of women. And um, it was just such an amazing project to work on, to be frank. It was just, I, I really, I'd have to say it's one of the one of the best things that's happened so far, to be honest. Oh, super. I've heard Juju's amazing. She is amazing. <laughs> I have to say, I'm not very comfortable being in front of the camera. And, and people who know me realize that it takes many, many shots to get a good shot of me. Um, so she, she's she got this amazing sense of humor. And she can just make people laugh, you know, and, and make you feel really comfortable in front of the camera. And so, yeah, I'd highly recommend her for any photo photo jobs anybody needs because she just um, she does a great job. She's got a great eye. So, Doesn't she do the photography? photography for pom-pom she does yeah yeah she works with the pom-pom uh, ladies for the um for a lot of the magazines not all of them but quite a few of them thus far i think probably most of them at this point so yeah cool yeah it was a pleasure
So, what one thing that you know now did you wish you had known when you picked up the first ball of yarn? <laughs> How to gauge swatch pot properly. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... Yes, the first hat I made was a bit of a rasticized hat because I just, you know, working in the round to working flat and it was, yeah, I just, and I was one of those people kind of, well, you know, how important could it be? I'm using the right needle size and, you know, it's got to work out. Well, first of all, it wasn't the right yarn. Everybody's gauge is different. I didn't understand these things. So, yeah, and, and just to enjoy the, the gauge swatching as well because there's a real pleasure in taking that time to prepare and I love doing gauge swatches now I mean if I could I'd just sit there and, and do gauge swatches like Clara Parks you know and just just to see how a yarn would react in different needle sizes and different gauges and I, I would love to have the time just to do that swatching it's swatching. very important it's, very it's important. so important I love it <laughs> <laughs> I am going to quote you on that thank you <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so desert islands games then, if you were going to be marooned on a desert island. So this mm. is a bit of forward planning for marooning. I know. I know. Um, and, and you could only take one skin or ball of yarn. Oh, what would you take and why? The pressure. Um, it would have to be BFL. I would have to say it would be a skein of BFL because it's just, it's, it's such a miracle fibre. I just love it so much. It, it can do so many things in so many different ways, depending on how it's spun. It, um, it wears extremely well. It doesn't pill very much. It, um, it's hard wearing. It's soft. You can wear it against the skin. I mean, there's just so many, so many things going for it that um, you can wear it summer, winter. So if you're on a desert island and it's hot, you could wear it at night. You know, it would just be perfect. Yeah, because you have a little, your own little pill ometer. I do. I do have that? a wear chart. Um, well, I decided to, and this is a bit silly of me because I, I've got this thing about pilling and I really, really hate pilling. So I decided to only carry yarns that don't pill very much or any at, at all as, as much as possible. So um, when I test yarns, I will basically beat the tar out of them until I know what they'll do before I start carrying them and dyeing them up. And um, I decided what I'd do is start up a chart so that on that chart I could sort of range where, what sort of wear they would be for. So like I was saying, the, the BFL is so amazing for anything. You can use it for socks. You can use it for, you know, next to skin wear. But it's really, really hard wearing and really, really low pilling. So that's, you know, at the top of my chart. Um, so all of my blends um, basically start with the least pilling and go to the most pilling. So the most pilling would be for more delicate things like shawls and um, hats, I guess. Things things that wouldn't take a lot of abrasion. Um, but that said, they still don't pill very much. The, the camel silk doesn't pill hardly at all. And if it does pill, it's just sort of like the little camel fuzz coming up. Mm -hmm. So you just shave that off and the fibers underneath will stay completely and utterly beautiful so that's that's one of the things that's really important to me so I've created this wear chart which is on my website and um, and you can sort of see where in the chart the blend that you're planning to use is and try to sort of gauge where you'd like what which one you'd like for your for your projects essentially so it's just sort of helping people decide and to understand a little bit more about pilling cool it's really useful I will put a link to that in the show notes so people can go and have a look thanks Jill no worries. So, what's your favourite or go-to resource then for yarn craft or for business that you couldn't do without? Ravelry. 
I'd have to say Ravelry. I, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have learned how to knit properly without Ravelry. I um, just going through everybody's projects and taking a look at, you know, an item that you want to knit um, and seeing it in all these different blends and trying to figure out why certain blends work a certain way with a certain stitch pattern and the rest of it, just by looking at these different patterns and, and projects. I mean, it's just so amazing. Yeah, definitely. It's a very popular choice as well. I, well, it's, it just, it's so, it's so awesome. <laughs> you can't, it's just, yeah. For those who, those of you out there who maybe aren't on Revelry, get on it now. It's amazing. Super. You have a group on Revelry. I do. Yes. The Kelly Arnco group. And, uh, and we're going to be having a, um, a knit along in August for the, the new collection. So please do come over and take part. Cool. So. Yeah. Other than your Ravelry group, where can the listeners find you? Well, I've got my own website, which is kettleyarnco.co.uk. Um, and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all as Kettle Yarn Co. Um, and so that basically you can just find me there. Facebook as well as Kettle Yarn Co. I'm trying to think of where else. Is that the seagull? It's the seagull. Damn him. <laughs> Linda has a pet seagull that started to bang on her windows. It's not a pet. It is so not a pet. And he's just sitting there staring at me and then banging on the window. It's very disturbing. And he's just started doing it this morning, which is really absurd. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. You should go and have a look. Maybe he's like a messenger owl, but a seagull. Who's your bad seaside? As long as he brings me something, which I don't think he has, except for his, um, you know, what seagulls bring. <laughs> <laughs> gracious crazy so what um, do you have any parting words for those who would like to get into the industry um i think just uh, get out there get on the social media contact people um everybody's very friendly and and just get to know people you know get to know people get to know what what's going on in the business and and try to figure out a niche for yourself that that something new that's not happening maybe something that um that needs to be happening Cool. Yeah. Do you want to go and schwack him off the window? Could so I? Ask you the last Please? question. Yeah. <laughs> Just one moment. Oh. Oh my goodness, gracious. It's funny. You could add that to the podcast. I know about chasing it... a seagull off the door. What a beast! I put it in the outtakes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Okay. Try to get myself calm again. No worries. Okay, so get us excited, Linda. What? <laughs> have we got coming up what can we look forward to with you and your business over the next few months well there is the the new collection that's just come out the um the boardwalk collection which is on issue and i've got a publication there that everybody can take a look at with um six beautiful new patterns so there is that i've got the islington dk which will be coming out for this collection i've got um, an update this well, it'll be last Friday once this podcast goes live um so there'll be more of the islington dk colors on the shop for everybody to get ready for the, the knit along in August. So that's that's one big thing I've got coming up. And um, and I'm at the moment I'm in the process of developing a new blend just for me. So it's going to be a um, a UK yarn blend that is uh, unique. So I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, very yeah. cool. I know. I'm so I'm swatching it as we speak. As a matter of fact, I thought I could hear a little bit of clicking in the background. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't keep my hand still. I, I do have to keep them moving. You do realise. Absolutely. I'm not going to hold it against you. you okay. know, I like a bit of multitasking. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so do you have, um, taking it slightly aside, do you have, um, because obviously people, when they listen to this, they will have missed the update and therefore they might have missed most of the yarn. Do you have a regular update? or? I do. I have a, it's pretty well bi-weekly. So just, just um, if you sign up to the newsletter, you'll find out what's coming up when. And um, I'm also, I'll be at Fiber East on the 25th and 6th, I believe. So not this weekend, but the following. And um, I will also be at the Yarn in the City show, which is in early September, I believe it's September 5th, for those of you in London. So there'll be two shows that um, that you'll be able to see the, the Islington in person. So there's those. Wonderful. Yeah. So in the interest of preserving uh, <laughs> your windows, <laughs> Yes, it's it's gone away, but I can feel them lurking somewhere. Feeling really watching you. They're always watching you. Always. Oh, with the little beady eyes, they've got really evil looking eyes. They do. Those yellow beady eyes are yeah. quite scary, really. They are. So, in the interest of of Mr. Siegel not smashing your window in mm. whilst we're chatting, yes. Thank you very very much for agreeing to come on to the podcast and oh, for talking to us today, Linda. It's lovely to hear from you. And you, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Um, for all our listeners, all of the appropriate links will be in the show notes for you to check out. Cool. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. So there you go. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Linda. She was great fun. I decided to keep the um, seagull, <laughs> seagull outtakes in it because... If I'd moved them to the end, it wouldn't have made any sense. Um, there'd have been these random banging noises in the middle of the interview. You'd have been turning round, wondering what was going on, if someone was banging on your window. Um, and apparently this seagull's never been back since. And he's never been there before, just that day, that morning for that interview. I will be embedding um, a lookbook for that collection for Linda into the show notes. So I have a little glossy kind of swishable pdf for you to go and have a look at and um you can check out all the different pieces and the yarns on there she does some beautiful colors so if you've never checked her out before um i highly recommend you do so go over to kettleyarncompany.co.uk i think it is and um you can see her there there will be full links in the show notes to the website and to um the appropriate social media channels for Linda so a big thank you for her to coming on big thank you to her for coming on sorry yeah okay so I'll be back again next week with you and this time I'm gonna have another interview and it's gonna be with Amy Herzog so there's a little bit more of the making it fit content coming your way we'll have a little bit of a chat to her the usual format about um business and yarn and how she got into everything in her background and then at the end she's got a few top tips for making clothes that fit the way you want them to and I've also got a great little giveaway that she's very kindly offered um, to tell you about next week so in the meantime cast on my friends knit like you mean it have a lovely week don't forget to pop over to the uk podcasters website and give me a vote just in case you got distracted in the meantime by the sequel um, give me a vote i'd really appreciate it if you did and i will see you as always next week thanks very much bye
You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog. Or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by Music Alley and it is Adam and the Walter Boys and I Need a Drink. I need a drink.